Hello. Welcome to Truth Matters with Terry McCarthy. Oh my goodness, I've been promising all week that I was going to do a podcast on transgender issues. And so many things kept coming up and seemed like there's hot topics in, in our current events daily that need and cry out for me to address them. But finally, it's Friday, and as we head into the weekend, I wanted to uh, do a podcast on transgenderism. In the UK last year, 63 specific genders were approved. It was a list of 63 specific genders. And this list was distributed, this approved list was, a, was distributed to all the public schools in Great Britain. Our news system here, ABC, covered it and argued that there were really only 58 genders and then finally conceded to the 63 under pressure from the five genders feeling they were being ignored or left out. Of the 63 genders and uh, of these, men can have menstrual cycles. So there are now three main menstrual cycles. Uh, women in the traditional sense, women who are transitioning into men that still have their periods, and then there's a third category of men transitioning into women who carry feminine hygiene products in their purses to pretend they are indeed menstruating. So I hate to say this, but any man that wants to pretend he's having a period is truly bonkers. This is social pathology. This is a lie. There are not 63 specific genders. Science tells us that there are only two genders. And only one of those is able to have an actual menstrual cycle, by definition, by agreed-upon terms, and by what is true and what is provable by science. There's a lot of chatter these days about transgenderism. This term describes a person whose sense of personal identity and gender does not correspond with his or her birth sex, more explicitly, how he or she was originally designed in the womb. I used to teach college semantics. and the first week of class, we looked at definitions and tried to answer these two simple questions. How does society determine the meaning of words and how are dictionaries formed or developed? Now, my husband Daryl told me if I started talking today about definitions, lexicons, and semantics, every listener to this podcast would go into a coma. And that's not what I want. But I do want to lay a basic foundation for how we know what we know and how we can know what we know is true. This is a big deal because if speakers of a common language don't agree on a definition, communication is not only hindered, but it becomes pure chaos. I think we see examples of that in current events like the university professor who was fired for calling people by their last names and deleting pronouns out completely from his conversation. I, th- I thought he was brilliant. He wanted to avoid the whole mess altogether. But students began to, pl- to complain, and he stood his ground, and I think he was eventually fired 
this is at Shawnee State University in Ohio. It might still be uh, in the courts. But basically, he felt he had found a way around the whole pronoun issue. And vigilante, hard, hardcore transgender folk were going to force that man into the corner and force him to use the pronouns that they wanted to be identified by. I see, I did a podcast earlier this week that chaos is happening in regards to women's sports. Uh, defining male and female is a big deal when men want to compete in women's sports. And in my opinion, they're doing it to go for the gold because they know they can win in women's sports where they cannot win when they are competing against other men. So, people communicating in the same language must have an agreed-upon definition of terms. And we do that so that true communication can take place. And in my classes, we looked at terms that are rapidly changing in society. Words such as marriage and gender and euthanasia. Society, political movements, governments, and even the general population of a specific language group are constantly debating and redefining terms every single day. For example... Pro-abortion. Pro-abortion became a term because people were unhappy. Uh, Pro-abortion was a term people were very unhappy with. So they decided to change it to pro-choice, right? Pro-choice because they were trying to lose that negative connotation. And, you know, I prefer pro-baby killer because that's what it really is. So we took pro-abortion and because of the people who are pro-abortion, they softened it and wanted to be called pro-choice. And politically correct things like in North America, Indians became an uh, inappropriate term and now we say First Nation people or Native Americans. So definitions are important and terms really do matter, especially when we're looking for truth. And it's also important to note that science is a very good basis for defining terms. So all the hormone therapy and surgeries in the world won't change the basic DNA distinctives between the two genders. Okay, let me give you an example. When Bruce Jenner dies, his body will decompose. And one day, he'll just be a pile of ashes or dust and a bunch of DNA. And what will his DNA say about him? What would scientists discover about him looking at his remains? They, did, they would identify him as a 70-year-old something man, male, Caucasian. They could even probably tell us if he's not cremated, his height, and his general health. You see, no matter how many surgeries or how much hormone medications or how much he declares his femininity, Bruce Jenner is a man. And according to his DNA and chromosome count, he is scientifically, genetically, and physically a man. And this may sound melodramatic and a bit over the top, but I believe very strongly that when society begins the deconstruction of terms and definitions, it will become the demise of that society. Language matters. You know, Language is important to God. God spoke the world into existence. Jesus is called the Word. Man's first duty was to name the animals 
That's language and definitions. Our fallen world is broken, and we see that in this disorder around us. Things are not as they were supposed to be. We've got death, sickness, disease, famine. All of these are a result of a fallen world. This wasn't the way God planned it. This isn't the way it was meant to be. So here's my point. And just like a well-sharpened pencil, I got one. Here's where I'm going. Transgenderism is the process by which fallen human beings, you know, just like you and me, fallen human beings ask the question straight out of Romans. Why did you make me like this? In the old King James Version, it was, Why hast thou made me thus? Romans 9.20 It is the creation raising its fist to God and saying, I am not the way you created me. It is saying to the creator, you made a mistake and I'm going to fix it. You were wrong and now I'll make it right. However, I think the real problem with transgenderism is just good old-fashioned sin. Not wanting to surrender to God. We're all broken, and we were all born broken in one way or another. I was born a liar. I lied all the time, and I'd rather lie than tell the truth when I was a kid and even in your early adult life. If the truth was even better, I would rather lie. Lying was a part of my old nature until I asked Christ to come in and fix me and cleanse me and allow him to create in me a new thing. My husband, God bless him, Daryl says he was born with lust. He lusted after women, and he had to give that lust over to God and cry out, Make me new. Fix me. Because all of us and all of these issues, they're all just a part of our sin nature. Transgender, homosexuality, lying, lust, selfishness, these are just all different flavors of sin. And our sin nature. As followers of Jesus, we're commanded to die to ourselves, but not everyone is a follower of Jesus. I know that, but the point is this just because people don't follow Christ doesn't mean that truth doesn't exist. Truth exists, and part of our job is to be salt and light, and sometimes that means we need to look at something and say, hey, that's false. That is not true. You see, our skewed sense of right and wrong comes from our sinful natures. Perhaps you believe transgender issues are mental health issues. That could be, but I think for the most part, it's spiritual rebellion. It's that old sinful nature telling a holy God, you don't know what you're talking about. And sinful human beings take the reins and our entire world goes upside down. According to Walt Heyer, he's a man who has accepted Christ and he is walking with the Lord, but he regrets his own transgender surgery. He's written a book called Trans Lie Survivors. He says over 30% of transgender people admit that they regret transitioning. 41% attempt suicide after the surgery. And at least 60% suffer from some kind of mental breakdown afterwards. 
Walt Heyer writes, Suicide and regret remain the dark side of transgender life. You know, even Bruce Jenner, in an open conversation, in a transparent moment, said he regretted the surgery and that he often wakes up not knowing who he really is. I do think it's a struggle for people who've had the surgery because you're not happy with yourself afterwards. So you're not who you were, and now you don't know who you are. I mean, I heard Bruce Jenner interviewed, and he said, I cannot because of his Christian faith. Just let that sink in for a minute. He said, I cannot be involved in a sexual relationship with a woman because I am a lesbian. That would make me a lesbian. I'm attracted to women, but I don't think being a lesbian is right. There's so much wrong with that statement. So people do struggle. And after the surgery, I think they question now who they really are. In truth, there's really only one thing that can quench the longing of our broken souls and empty hearts, and that's a right relationship with Christ Jesus. But here are some facts that should be shouted from the rooftops. Because of politics and left-leaning ideologies, there's a charade going on, and it's to push society's transgender, uh, transgender agenda. But if society actually cared about these individuals and cared about truth, they would broadcast the plethora of information and research coming from studies saying that transgender surgery is always bad. Okay, let me give you an example. Sweden has been doing transgender surgery since 1970s. Sweden is pro-transgender surgery. They are one of the first countries to do these types of surgeries. So they decided to do a long-term study of transgender males and females. And they did it from like the 1970s to, I think it was uh, 2000, and they finally published it in 2011. So here are their findings. Number one, suicide rates among transgenders do not decrease due to sex change surgery. The suicide rates among transgenders do not drop after surgery. 41% of transgender people attempt suicide sometime in their life. That's compared to just 4.6% of the rest of the population. So that's about 10 times more likely. The sex change operation didn't fix what was broken. Number two, most children grow out of transgender feelings. In fact, 96% of those studied, those children grew out of transgender feelings. Dr. Paul McHugh, he's former head of psychiatry at John Hopkins University, he said that 80% of children with transgender feelings grow out of it by puberty and another 12%, making the total 92%, grow out of it by the age of 15. This is important because the media has already told parents that children confused about their sex should consider whether they are transgender and have the surgery before puberty. Now, let me just say here in a very honest and open and candid moment, from the time I was nine until I was 11, I wanted to be a boy. 
I cried because I was a girl. I cut my hair short, I wore boys' clothes, and was thrilled if people mistook, mistook me for a boy. And my parents just called me a tomboy. And my mom always said, she's going to grow out of it. And guess what? I did. I grew out of it. But if you've got a kid who's longing for attention and craving affection, what a great way to get all eyes on him or her. Kids don't know what they want to be. Ask most kids what they want to be at the age of nine, and they want to be a superhero or a cat. Their brains are not fully developed, and we cannot hand them these boxes too heavy for them to carry. Boxes like deciding if you want to be a boy or a girl. The third thing found in the study was transgender regret is very real. Both of Sweden, both Sweden's 33-year study and Walt Heyer's research discovered that gender surgery is not an effective treatment for depression, anxiety, or mental disorders. Consider the findings of this Swedish study. It, like I said, it was published in 2011. It looked at mortality and morbidity after gender reassignment surgery and found that people who changed genders had a higher risk of not only suicide, but mental illness and could not sustain long-term relationships. In this study, all the sex reassigned persons in Sweden from 1973 to 2003, that was 191 males and 133 females, were compared to a random control group from the culture. The sex reassigned persons had substantially higher rates of death from everything from cardiovascular disease, infections, and then, of course, the suicide. The study concluded gender surgery is not effective treatment for depression, anxiety, or mental disorder. Bruce Jenner showed early signs of transgender regret. He wrote, in an, uh, he wrote an article, and I was reading it, just about uh, six months after his surgery. He says, I went into the long hallway and paced back and forth on the dark wood floors, where not even the footsteps made a sound. The panic attack lasted for about 15 minutes, but a single thought continued to course through my mind. What did I just do? What did I just do to myself? What have I done? He called a counselor from the Los Angeles Gender Center, Gender Center, and the guy went to Jenner's house so Jenner could talk about some of his regrets. Jenner says that the counselor assured him that those reactions were induced by the pain medication. And then Jenner concludes the article. The thought passed, and yet it often returns. There is such a thing as buyer's remorse. Not that it matters anyway, because now there's no turning back. Why isn't that published? Why didn't Vanity Fair publish that? That's important and key information. In Mary Shelley's book, Frankenstein, she writes, Nothing is so painful to the human mind as a great and sudden change. I think it's ironic that comes from Frankenstein. Society and our culture have only one narrative. Gender is a choice and it is malleable. But truth, science, and scripture teaches us differently. Each individual struggling with the idea 
I've been born in the wrong body, is being self-focused and in bondage to that fallen nature. That's the bad news. But the good news is that we all can be free from this skewed vision of things. We all can be set free to be exactly who we were designed to be by a loving and living God. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he designed beforehand that we should walk in them. By surrendering our lives to Christ, we are able to defeat the lies of the enemy and live a new life in Christ. Jesus said, behold, I make all things new. If my DNA says I'm a woman and my chromosomes say I'm a woman, then I am a woman. And no matter what the battle, through Christ Jesus and through the work of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives, we can live the life Christ designed for each of us. We can have victory through Christ Jesus and the finished work of the cross. We all can. In Corinthians, we're told, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, that person becomes a new creation and the old, the old person is gone and the new is here. No matter what our fallen nature tells us, no matter what our old lives may have been, lust-filled, deceitful, stealing, addiction, fear, lying, abusive, we can become what Christ intended us to be. And that image is always aligned with God's word. And in closing, I'd like to say, you know, life isn't fair. I wish it was. We are all born to a world of struggle and woe. But Christ is our hope, and we have a promise of better things to come. I always try to encourage parents of children who say that they are transgender, not to let the enemy have those children, not to surrender to whatever society is telling you about those kids. Even mental health professionals are imbibing the lie about gender. Don't surrender to this lie. There really is only two genders, and God created them, male and female. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening to Truth Matters with Terry McCarthy. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you on Monday.